experiment during the coronavirus crisis? Absolutely, if you want to go for small wins that are going to earn and keep the trust of customers. This week on Bankadelic. From the studios of Karma Productions Worldwide in Chicago, this is Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic. Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance, where we supply expert views, riff on the news, innovate and investigate, actionable insights, unscripted, banking with a caffeine kick. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, inviting you to sit back, grab a cuppa, kick up your feet, here we go. Welcome to another episode of Bankadelic. It's banking with a caffeine kick and here to help us kick it into gear. Coming in from one of my favorite cities ever, Toronto, Corey Gross. Corey is the co-founder and CEO of Sensible, a leading provider of everyday financial tools and SKU level data that help institutions better know and serve their customers. He is an award-winning repeat entrepreneur, love it, and thought leader in the world of payments, digital banking, and receipts. In his CEO role, Gross is responsible for overseeing Sensible's business strategy, finances, partnerships, and product vision. Corey, welcome to Bankadelic. So nice to be here. Really excited to chat. Excellent. You have some ideas about future-proofing that I would love for you to share with the audience. So yeah, when I think about future-proofing banking, I think about how do you stay in front of consumer sentiment? How do you proactively address financial pain points? How do you serve products, services, and advice just in time? All of them sound very buzzy, but I think fundamentally what addresses that is the existence of and actionability of data. And so a lot of what I've been thinking about over the last couple of years specifically with Sensible is how do you provide consumers as personalized an experience in banking as they expect from the likes of Amazon and Netflix. So that's what we think about when we think about future-proofing banking. Love it. And when we talk about the personalizing, what does that look like? A lot of people right now are no doubt seeing emails from their financial institutions talking about their response to the pandemic. But I'm also getting emails from my financial institution urging me to use my travel rewards points to take a flight to the Bahamas and veg out because it's the onset of spring. Don't think that is as applicable in moments like this one as it might have been a year ago. So I think about personalization starting from context, right? So what is most useful for this person at this moment in time? I think about another example where new and expecting parents are thinking about planning for their child's financial future. And a lot of Americans, certainly here in Canada, are unaware of things like RESPs, which are like the U.S.'s 529 savings. And so just getting folks the right level of education at the point in time they want to be educated or should be educated about particular financial services offerings, to me, is what personalization and banking is all about. That is what we need more than ever, right? Life does not stop. And along those lines, tech companies are stepping up to the plate. They're offering help to consumers and businesses right now. How can banks maintain relevance and keep the big tech competitors at bay? Yeah, it's a great point. I think the tip of the iceberg is what you know consumers and businesses typically see, right? That's the front end mobile online banking product or the experience. 
that they expect to just work. What's underneath the surface is all the stuff you typically take for granted, right? The trust, the resiliency, the regulatory oversight that makes sure that they handle your data with respect, standards of operating procedures, business continuity, all the boring stuff that maybe gets lost. And tech companies are largely heralded and well-regarded for what's above the surface. Obviously, there are big operations when you think of what Amazon is doing right now from a logistics perspective, but most people are just evaluating how slick is the user experience, how up-to-date is the style of their mobile apps, et cetera, et cetera. So what banks have largely always had over their big tech co-competitors is the understanding, the common understanding amongst its customer base and really the world that there's this big engine that makes this work, that keeps your money safe. But now I think more than ever, this is an opportunity for them to lean into that, for them to say, we're going to be with you through thick and thin. And not only are we going to be resilient in times of crisis, but whatever we put in front of you, whether that's tooling, whether that's new loan products, new service offerings, that it will still maintain the standard that you might expect from a financial institution. So to me, even though financial institutions gut reaction is going to be to cut OPEX, minimize discretionary spend, maybe tighten up innovation budgets, now is the time where they can really lean into that and take advantage of this as a differentiator. Now, along those lines, people are stressed out. Corporations are stressed out. Small banks are stressed out. People get overwhelmed. So someone comes to you and says, Corey, I get it. You have really convinced me. I don't know where to start. What would you tell them? In situations like this, it's so easy to equate success as being really macro outcomes oriented, which means looking at how much money is being flooded into the economy by, you know, whether it's government or financial institutions or tech companies, whatever. I think right now there needs to be more experimentation. So what I would do for a smaller financial institution that might be seeing a crisis of confidence from its members on the small business side or its customers. It's what are some pain points they need to immediately address? How have their behaviors and their livelihoods been affected by the pandemic? And what are some quick wins that we can put out there to help alleviate that stress and that pain? So when I think about financial stress, I mean, this isn't just about personal financial management. These were typically tools to help people who are fairly stable, looking to save a bit of money month over month, and maybe have leftover income to invest or to put into long-term savings. Whereas now, just that process, that outcome seems a bit of a luxury. Small businesses in the US and in Canada, for that matter, don't have a lot of runway that they can afford to hunker down for three, four, five months and hope to wade the storm out. They're in crisis control mode. So when I think of the tools like business financial management, cash flow management, expense management, all of these things that were once seen as nice-to-haves by institutions big and small might be must-haves as it relates to keeping customer confidence up. Because while that isn't necessarily a $40,000 or $100,000 line of credit or loan or new small business product, it's something that can help them right away that doesn't have a lot of lift to get out in the world. So what I would say is start experimenting now with small wins because if you're waiting for a grand slam home run, you could be at the plate a while. And by the time it comes, you may have already missed your opportunity to help win back customer confidence or customer trust if it is eroding over the course of the crisis. 
I love the analogy of small wins because there is this baseball player who was known as Wee Willie Keeler, and he was a singles guy and really went down in history as the guy, they used to say, hit them where they ain't. Look for the thing that isn't exploited. Yeah, and when you think about like fintech over the last 10 years, it's really been born out of the financial crisis. So where they hit them is where banks and other financial institutions weren't. Lending club emerges because small businesses and people weren't able to get the loans they needed from incumbents. So they looked to alternative lending providers. Payments weren't as available online for smaller vendors, certainly not with the cost structure that they needed for it to be scalable for their businesses. So Stripe and others have emerged. Point of sale was radically expensive, with a lot of maintenance and upkeep and not very accessible for street vendors and other independent contractors. And so Square and a bunch of competitors emerged. So hitting where they ain't is effectively what innovation does. And in times of crises, I'm a big proponent of creativity is born out of misery, right? And so now might be a miserable time for a lot of folks, but it does provide you know, great opportunity for people to solve these problems in better, faster, and cheaper ways, which will ultimately, you know, I don't want to say make everything better because there's a lot of misery that will come from this for a lot of families and businesses, but the world largely will benefit from the challenge that some people rise to the occasion to address. And along those lines, I want to let everybody know that one of the reasons Corey is on the podcast is because of the proactive nature, sensible. I'm gonna ask you this because I wanna know, what are you guys doing to make a difference? Let's get under the hood a little bit and show how you're out there. Yeah, so we're fortunate to have some fantastic partners on the financial institution side here in Canada and the UK and the US. And we're effectively providing them with tools for consumers and small business to allow them to capture and manage their expenses. and. That might have seemed like a nice to have, even though there are largely tools available independently to help people do that on the small business side and the corporate commercial side, especially. But when your financial institution, which has been like we talked about, sort of this beacon of trust, you know that banks respect your privacy and security and all those things that come with a regulated industry. And so being able to offer you tools right out of the box and built in with the rest of your financial activity is just a clear win-win. For the bank, they're able to get customers. So, you know, you think about times of need like this where people are shifting their work home, seeing a bunch of new expenses, setting up their home office and maintaining their house as if it were their own small business. And so being able to capture all those expenses, be reimbursed for it, possibly have deductible expenses for their tax returns, that's what we help financial institutions provide to their customers. And obviously for the customer, they don't have to worry about using six or seven or eight different apps to solve different jobs to be done. From a banking perspective, from a finance perspective, they've got it all in one place. And so that one-stop shop experience is something that I know a lot of customers crave, and we help deliver that to them in partnership with their institutions. So that's what we're doing today. And in terms of the proactive approach to personalization that we talked about off the bat, you know, the reality is by capturing all this data, which might have been fragmented or siloed elsewhere, you know, banks aren't able to know whether 
it might be a good time to reach out with 529 savings plan education or whether they might proactively reach out to make sure that your business is okay in light of COVID-19. Whereas by capturing some of these expenses, which are far more granular than just seeing that a customer is spending a whole lot of money at Amazon and on Instacart, like everybody else in North America, might not be as helpful. So we're able to serve them up with differentiated SKU level data so that they can have those conversations with people proactively. And you proactively agreed to be on the podcast, which I very much appreciate. The insights are fantastic. You're one of those leaders, those entrepreneurs that's helping us get through a tough time. Corey, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Happy to have been invited and really enjoyed the discussion. Corey Gross is the co-founder and CEO of Sensible. He's based in Toronto, Canada. You can look for Corey on LinkedIn. And he's also on Twitter at Corey, C-O-R-E-Y, B, Gross, or at Get Sensible, which is spelled G-E-T-S-E-N-S-I-B-I-L-L. Bankadelic, sponsored by the William Mills Agency. For close to 40 years, the William Mills Agency has served hundreds of companies that provide a wide range of products and services in the banking, payments, mortgage, credit union, and related markets. The William Mills Agency is the largest provider of PR and marketing services for companies that market to the financial industry. For more information, visit williammills.com. Quantic is the adaptive digital bank that offers entrepreneurs, immigrants, millennials, low-income families, seniors, and others innovative banking products and services which embrace the diversity of circumstances that exist in the lives of customers while elevating their financial strength. For more information, visit QuanticBank.com. That's Q-U-O-N-T-I-C Bank.com. I want to be clear, a Canadian told me this joke. How many letters are in the word Canada? The answer, three. C-A-N-A-D-A. So what did we learn today, eh? In friendly Canadian fashion, here we come with three, three bullet, bullet points. points. Number one. I think about personalization starting from context, right? Getting folks the right level of education at the point in time they want to be educated or should be educated about particular financial services offerings, to me, is what personalization in banking is all about. Number two. Start experimenting now with small wins because if you're waiting for a grand slam home run, you could be at the plate a while. And by the time it comes, you may have already missed your opportunity to help win back customer confidence or customer trust if it is eroding over the course of the crisis. Number three. What banks have largely always had over their big tech co-competitors is the common understanding amongst its customer base and really the world that there's this big engine that makes this work, that keeps your money safe. More than ever, this is an opportunity for them to lean into that, for them to say, we're gonna be with you through thick and thin and still maintain the standard that you might expect. And now, lose views. 
Sounds hard to believe, but there was a study conducted by two professors in conjunction with Yeshiva University that found people were more likely to invest in stocks that began with A as opposed to B, C, D, or especially Z. What that tells us, along with much more evidence that's been compiled by many other studies, is that people are primal with their finances, especially in times like now. People are scared. And that is something banks can take advantage of benevolently by reassuring them. Corey Gross had a lot to say on the podcast today about banks and trust. How can you reassure your customers that you have their backs now at a time when they need you to have their backs? It's not just a matter of the wallet, but of the mind, the heart, and everything in between, A to Z. Thanks for tuning in to Bankadelic. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault. Our producer in Chicago is Jenny Elman. Thanks again to the William Mills Agency for their generous sponsorship. You can catch me on LinkedIn. You won't catch me at the gym. I'm Lou Carloso. Until next time, so long. Bankadelic is a production of Karma Productions Worldwide, Chicago.